1: I'm Audrey Cooper, the editor-in-chief of the San Francisco Chronicle. And today, power is out across huge swaths of Northern California as Pacific Gas and Electric attempts to prevent the next deadly wildfire. But anger is mounting at the utility, and questions remain about how long the power will be out and where it might turn off next. As many as 2.3 million people might be affected by this outage. We have nearly the entire San Francisco Chronicle working around the clock to provide you the most accurate and up-to-date information on sfchronicle.com. For today's breaking news podcast, I've asked reporters Erin Alday, J.D. Morris, and Rachel Swan to come answer some of your most asked questions about these outages. That's next
0: on Fifth Mission.
1: J.D. Morris, Rachel Swan, and Erin Alday, thank you for coming in today to talk about these power outages.
2: Thank you. Thanks.
1: Um, so you've been filing stories and updates all day long now since since the early morning hours. And I know I had, I had to tell J.D. to go to bed last night very late at night. So yes, you, you must be exhausted. I want to talk about... What happened today? And just give everybody a little bit of perspective about where we are with these outages. So, J.D., what is the current situation and what do you think we'll be looking at for the rest of the week?
3: Well, it still seems like PG&E is planning to shut off power for 800,000 customers in 34 counties across the state. They've already started to do that, including in the Bay Area, um, mostly in the North Bay Um I think actually, maybe entirely in the North Bay at this point. But the East Bay outages aren't expect, and the South Bay ones are not expected to occur until uh, starting at 8 p.m., was the last that I heard. They keep pushing. The situation keeps changing. So, um, and
1: why does it keep changing? I mean, they they told us originally it was going to be midnight last night, then it was not going to be noon, and now it's not going to be eight. It seems like, is it possible they just won't ever come?
3: That. I don't think will happen at this point, um, but we'll have to see. I think a lot of it has to do with changing weather forecasts um, and uh, just other like operational concerns. Uh, certainly, the way these things tend to play out, from my limited experience with them, all of our limited experience with them, really is it starts with a more general, um, you know, indication of this may happen, and then as the weather gets closer, then they get more and more specific. Um, of course, that's very can be very frustrating. Frustrating to people, though, because it feels like we don't really know when it's going to happen and where until right at the last minute. Um, but that also seems to be kind of dependent on you know the weather, which is volatile. And what's happening right now is something that has never been um, done before in California, which is turning off power to eight hundred thousand customers, which is could be like. million people um, because of wildfire danger. That's just not something that the state has ever done before.
1: So on our website, sfchronicle.com, I think we have something like 30 stories up about how this is affecting everybody and, and the latest updates on closures and whatnot. J.D., yesterday on the Fifth Emission podcast, you explained the weather phenomenon that was triggering this. And specifically, I, I've seen a lot of people writing to us and saying, it is not windy at my house. It is cold. There is no fire starting here. Why Why is my power being turned off?
3: Well, I'll say two things. Number one, um, I, we're not going to have a good idea of, you know, was it justified? Was it not? Was it, was it too broad? Was it too limited? Until a little while later, I think. Um, and definitely – The idea is to turn off power in it before the bad weather gets there. Um, I am hearing, though, from uh, multiple people today that who did kind of look at that weather station data that they felt like uh, maybe the shutoff in their area was premature or should not happen at all. Maybe Um, we're going to have to see how that plays out over time. Generally though, even people who live really far from fire danger could still be impacted and pg and has said that repeatedly and that's because – Power lines. That's just because it's not windy in your area. Doesn't mean that it isn't windy where a power line that serves you is. And PG and E is now willing to turn off these high voltage transmission lines that are really big, carry energy across really far distances to a lot of people. They told me last night that they are shutting some of those down, which means that people who aren't in you know windy areas are going to be impacted.
1: So. Pretty much, it seems that there's almost nobody in California right now that is a big fan of Pacific Gas and Electric. The politicians in Sacramento are criticizing their decisions. Individuals are criticizing their deci- decisions.
3: Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders
1: is <laughs> the, uh, the 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 company is really under a lot of stress right now. They've had to increase security at their headquarters building because they've been getting so many angry calls. Why is pg having such a hard time communicating effectively with the public?
3: Oh, gosh, that's the million dollar question. And I wish I had a clear answer for you. But it's definitely, I think, been frustrating for a lot of folks. Um, again, I, I would just go back to the fact that this is a totally unprecedented situation. Uh, they've never had to deal with it before. Um, they their website has been experiencing a lot of uh, problems, which has really compounded the frustration that residents are feeling. They said yesterday that in advance of this happening, they like doubled the amount of their server capacity. But then their website experienced like seven to eight times the amount of its normal traffic. And uh, someone I was talking to about this earlier was pointing out like, you know, if you're considering something that massive, um, you know, you should. Your website should be prepared for everyone in your service territory to be going onto your website. Because if you say that you're going to cut power to 34 out of 58 of California's counties, it's not just going to be the 800,000 customers that you want to go to your website who are going to look. It's going to be all 16 million of them. Um, and it seems like that their website was not prepared to communicate. Effectively.
1: No, I think that's true. And, and we have um, taken some of PG Needs data and we scrape it off their website and built our own map of the outages and the planned outage areas that everybody can see at sfchronicle.com. You can put in your address. It's really a great tool. But even periodically, that data that's coming from pg e is corrupted. So it, it seems like the company is really under the gun to communicate effectively. And Rachel, I wanted to ask you one of the ways that that seemed to manifest last night, which was what day? What It seems like it's very late in the week, but it's only Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> late Tuesday night, there was, there was talk initially that the Caldecott tunnels, uh, which bring a huge amount of traffic from mm-hmm. the East Bay into the Inner Bay, would be shut down. Then it seemed like maybe they wouldn't, and, and it, was, it was very unclear for mm-hmm. people tr- who were about ready to go to bed whether they would be able to get across the bay. Why is that?
2: Well, that's because the, director, the Bay Area director of Caltrans just found out Monday evening, he told us. This morning, he just found out about how these shut, o- shut offs would affect the tunnel. So Caltrans has known that they would lose power on both sides of the tunnel for 36 hours. That's.
1: I mean, we just drilled a new bore of the tunnel. <laughs> What's amazing to me, and I, I think it's a good question. I'm interested in your perspectives, like. What does this portend if we have a crisis that we don't have months of notice about or hours of notice about? What what would have happened during a, a, a massive wildfire that shut down power or even, God forbid, an earthquake?
2: I mean, I'm really, really glad that you asked that, Audrey, because... Um, the answers that we've been getting Caltrans from Caltrans today, and my partner Matthias Gaffney, my work partner Matthias Gaffney, has been after them like a little pit bull, um, <laughs> are very I would say very unsatisfying. I mean, one answer I got from them they have first of all it came out that they have no they really don't have auxiliary auxiliary power in the tunnel, and one thing they said to me was. Well, we thought that in the event of a really big fire, no one would be driving through anyway, except for emergency vehicles. That was actually a thing that a Caltrans spokesman said to me today. Well, actually, during a
1: fire, everybody will be trying to get out of there. (laughs) Everybody will be going through that tunnel. So,
2: I mean, like, it's like a very unsatisfying explanation. So, I mean, they had to Monday night. Now, actually, Tuesday. So Monday night they found out that they were part of the area that would be shut off they do have power running from the orinda side and from the oakland side the east and west sides of the tunnel but they found out that that power would be cut off um they do have generators but the in order to run the caldecott i mean you have to have lights, you have to have security cameras for Homeland Security, you have to have a c- carbon monoxide sensor, you have to have the ventilation systems, you have to have all this stuff, you know, to meet all the bu- building codes and the safety codes. And so their genera- existing generators couldn't power all that. So they had to rent. They had to rent four generators yesterday.
1: Who'd they rent them from? That's <laughs> what we're- trying to nobody we, knows
2: you have to find out, that you, to find out what that, costs, <laughs> that somebody
1: com- yeah. somebody made a lot of money on that
2: yeah so they rented four generators they're using three of them one is a backup each generator is like the size of a truck trailer but i mean yeah this you know i mean we talked to state senator steve glazer who who kept saying this is inconceivable 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 you know and um have brought up the prospect that you know we've known for decades that the Caldecott is right on the Hayward Fault, um, we're overdue for a major earthquake, and you, there was there was no plan. There was no plan to provide power.
1: Well, and if, you know, the reason that these shutoffs are happening is because of these wind conditions. But Mm -hmm. not every fire that we've had in California has started with a PG&E line. Uh, It it can happen in a lot of different ways. and, and, And it doesn't matter if the power is off or not. It will still it will still spread a, mm-hmm. a potentially very deadly mm-hmm. fire. Now, Aaron, you have been uh, focusing on p- how some people are affected and specifically medically compromised people from around Aaron. the state. And before we started recording, you were telling me about a man in Grass Valley who really some. I think sums up a lot of worries of medically compromised people. What is his such situation?
4: So this man, um, and he lives up near grass Valley and his power went out about 4 a.m. um, Wednesday morning, um, he has COPD, and he has oxygen that he's relying on that is run by a, uh, an electric-powered machine. Um, he has a nebulizer that gives him medication that he needs to take every four hours. Um, that's also requires power to run. Um, he uses a CPAP machine to help with sleep apnea and breathing overnight, um, and that's something, again, that runs on electricity. Um, all of these things he is just going without today. Um, And he can afford to do that for a few hours at a time and even up to probably a full day. But when I talked to him um, probably around noon today, he was already not feeling well. He said he was feeling kind of congested. He could definitely tell that he was missing his medication, that he was missing his oxygen. And he was saying, you know, if it comes down to it, I'm going to end up at the uh, the ER. That's just kind of his backup plan. And he doesn't want to do that, but that's where he's going to end up. Um, and he is he's somebody who's part of PG&E, has a program for medically sensitive people who might need extra help in a power outage. So it's called a baseline support program. And these are customers that get a little bit of advance notice from PG&E about kind of prepping for the situation. And this man is part of that. And he got that advance notice. And his point was he is disabled. He can't get around very well it wasn't an option for him to go out and purchase a generator and carry it back to his home and plug it in somewhere and and run extension cords through his home. He has mobility issues. He can't get around and do that. And he couldn't get somebody to help him with that. There wasn't enough time. So he just, it didn't even matter that he had that notice. It just meant that he was thinking about it more.
1: Right. On our website, we do have a list of places where people can go, resource centers that are open. Um, and, and, and we have it broken down by county, but as you point out, uh, it's not an option for everybody. Correct. So, JD, um, w- we've talked about this before, but today I was really struck with um, a, a fact that I, I think it was Matthias Gaffney tweeted from a press conference that the amount of lines that PGE has mm. to inspect. To turn the power back on in these communities is equivalent to one power line going around the equator of the planet. That's
3: incredible. That. It is. And it really shows you why it may take several days for power to come back on in some places and also just demonstrates the sh- massive size of PG&E service territory is larger than a lot of states. Um it's 70,000 square miles from Bakersfield to Eureka. I think pretty much every corner of it is be- are being impacted by these shutoffs. And in order for the power to come back on, PGE has to lay eyes on every single mile of those power lines, either by helicopter, which it can't fly at night, by vehicle, or by foot patrol, which in some cases – requires, because the power lines are so remote, requires crews to get out and hike for a while to look at them. And what they're looking for is if a tree fell on a line or a tower broke, both of which have caused horrible fires in California in the last two years, and it's exactly what they're trying to prevent here. And if they find damage, they have to fix it before they turn the line on because the whole point is that... If that happens, then a fire starts. And so if there's a lot of damage, which there may well be if the winds are as bad as they say they're going to possibly be, then that just adds to the amount of time that it will take um, for the line to come back on. And if it's a transmission line serving a lot of people, it just – Compounds, um, so maybe
1: more urban areas where they could l- inspect. You know, my house. There's no trees that are going to fall on it. I live in the middle of the city. Those areas, oh, my power is not going to be out in the city. But if I was in an area like that, those areas might come on quicker. But the more remote areas of the state where people like like Aaron's Grass Valley man lives, that might take longer.
3: I think that's a pretty reasonable expectation. However, I would just caution that we've not had a power shut off to my knowledge that involved turning off these big transmission lines i don't know exactly which ones they have turned off and where they are and how many and who is served by all of those and how that like reacts interacts with the rest of the grid so once again it's just an unprecedented um, kind of shut off and we don't really know how it's gonna all play out yet
1: what do you think the the lasting legacy of, of this week is going to be for PG&E and where it finds itself in its bankruptcy and with its public relations and, you know, San Francisco trying to take over some of its lines? Like, wh- what impact do you think this is going to have?
3: I'm not sure we will have much of an impact on the bankruptcy, although, of course, anything is possible. Um I did just write a story about how this is kind of a new layer of chaos and crisis for this company, which has had so many crises over the last uh, many years with not only the fires, but the San Bruno pipeline explosion, etc. So I think from a public relations perspective, clearly that's a problem, um, is that it? I think for a lot of people is very clearly just adding to the kind of um, you know negative feelings that people have toward PG&E. And I think um, you know folks like Scott Weiner, who has uh, legislation that would um, regulate uh, these shutoffs a lot more tightly, might be emboldened to pursue that more and so you could see that maybe gain more traction in Sacramento than it would otherwise. You might also see a lot more pressure on the California Public Utilities Commission um, to do more to regulate these. It has already put in place some rules and it's crafting more, but I think people are going to be taking a much closer look at those to see if um, it should be more aggressive.
1: Is there anything else we should know as we go into another day of this uh, uh, on Thursday?
3: Just be prepared for it to possibly last longer than you would expect.
1: Um, And we'll keep looking for all of those answers that people are sending to us on sfchronicle.com and getting some answers as to why, um, when the power is going to go back on and uh, what people can expect in the days to come. So thanks, guys, for being on today.
2: Thanks so much.
3: Thanks.
1: Thank you to reporters JD Morris, Aaron Alday, and Rachel Swan for being with me today. We have the most complete coverage of this unfolding situation, including the latest outages and the planned outage maps at sfchronicle.com. Thank you to Karen Creighton for producing this episode, and thanks to all of you for listening. Fifth and Mission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle podcast network.
4: If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing.
4: You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle.
1: There are print and digital editions. Find out more at
0: sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.